Hello, and welcome to Another Friday, and now we're only eight days away from Halloween. Today, we're dressing up as the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast for October 23rd, 2020. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Today's show is supported through every contribution made by readers and listeners so far, either through a Patreon contribution or a subscription through Substack. Someone even paid me $2 through Venmo for a long story I did this week on the status of the West Main streetscape. This newsletter and newscast will remain free as long as it's being produced, and your donation helps others learn information about the community as well. Thanks to those who have given initial support The Virginia Department of Health is reporting another 1,180 cases of COVID-19 today, and the state remains at a percent positivity of 5%. Further information on the numbers is unavailable at production time due to a database issue. The University of Virginia has announced they will begin their spring semester on February 1st, with classes ending on May 6th. There will be no spring break. According to a message from Provost and Chief Operating Officer Liz McGill, the plans reflect a cautious approach. In a statement, she also states that they reflect the school's confidence in the capacity of the university and its people to continue to limit the spread. This year's semester will end on November 24th with online exams in December. The January term will be all online. No decision has been made yet on how graduation ceremonies will be conducted for both the class of 2021 and the class of 2020. Read more on UVA Today. The Charlottesville School Board met last night and heard details of a proposal to gradually return younger students to in-person instruction in early 2021 on a hybrid model. They did not take a vote. Under the proposal, pre-K, kindergarten, first, and fifth grade students would return to school two days a week beginning on January 11th. Second, third, fourth, and sixth grade students would return on January 19th. Ernest Chambers teaches health and physical education at Burnley Moran Elementary, and he's a member of the committee that's made the recommendation. We believe that a four-day model is optimal. Uh, We are concerned about the the division's ability to staff this model. Uh, a two-day hybrid model would reduce the face-to-face contact with classroom teachers, but we recommend this over uh, remaining virtual for the rest of the year. The presentation that's included in the packet lays out a list of requirements for reopening, such as a duty-free lunch for teachers and a plan for how sick days and quarantine days would be handled. Another is to create a plan for transitioning back to all virtual learning if schools have to close again. Um, that must be fleshed out. We need to, do we need to close a school or a classroom? How do we need to um, work that out? Families would have the option to remain virtual only, and a survey will be sent to parents. The full video of the school board meeting will be available on the City Schools YouTube channel. Earlier this month, the Albemarle School Board voted 4-3 to three to return to in-person education for kindergarten through third grade under a hybrid model beginning on November 9th. This is known as Stage 3 under their rubric. Yesterday, Catherine Knott with The Daily Progress wrote a story about how more than half of eligible families want their children to go back to school at this time. Virginia Senator Tim Kaine said he is hopeful for a congressional agreement on a new round of stimulus funding, but there are other issues happening that are distracting the Senate and the House of Representatives. We're in the Senate this week in my view, rushing a Supreme Court nomination that we should wait on until after the election. 
and continuing to delay action on a fifth COVID bill, a key to which has to be support for people facing uh, problems with eviction or foreclosure. We've got to provide rent and mortgage support in the next COVID bill. Kane said one such bill was defeated in the Senate this week. He was a guest on a panel discussion held by the Central Virginia Regional Housing Partnership. That's a program of the Regional Planning District. In the Thomas Jefferson Planning District, you've got all kinds of challenges about affordable housing under normal pre-COVID times. Um, it's, it's an area that has had some real success economically, but then that's led to housing costs being you know, significant and putting housing, affordable housing, out of the reach of many. Kane said that nationwide, more than 8 million people are facing eviction. Locally, the TJPDC is administering this region's allocation of CARES funding for rent and mortgage relief. A transit working group made up of Albemarle, Charlottesville, and UVA officials talked about lessons learned as buses have been running at reduced capacity due to the need for physical distancing under the pandemic. Charlottesville Area Transit Director Garland Williams said his agency is using money from the CARES Act to cover the high cost of disinfecting buses. And there needs to continue to be that level of cleaning to make sure that the public feels safe on riding public transportation. Um, our, our cleaning bill is, is, is fairly high. I mean, we're at half a million dollars already um, and, and growing. Um, so it's, it's not a, a small endeavor to keep these things up and clean and keeping them well. Another topic is whether transit agencies will resume collecting fares after the pandemic. On cat buses, passengers now enter through the side door, bypassing the fare box, as a safety precaution. Albemarle County Supervisor Diantha McKeel said she wanted to know if that could be continued in the future as a way to boost ridership. Chip Boyles, the director of the TJPDC, said he supported such a study, but said the term fare-free can be misleading from a budgetary standpoint. It just not may not be the end consumer handing a dollar bill over to the driver. Um, yeah. You know, somebody is paying, but it, you know, I have seen it um, directly experienced where there are a lot of, of benefits. During the pandemic, that means contactless transit. It also would mean not having to pay someone to account for collecting the fares or installing expensive fare boxes. He said fare-free transit usually works in college towns where the school picks up the tab. Somebody writes one check instead of a million people handing over 75 cents. Garland Williams with CAT said he believes his agency could go fare-free in the future, and he is working on a pilot project. For more on this discussion, read a longer story posted on a new website that I'm slowly launching. Now that the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors has adopted a climate action plan, county staff is presenting it to various citizen groups. Last night, the Places 29 Community Advisory Committee had a chance to learn more. The plan provides a series of strategies to help Albemarle achieve its goal of a 45% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030 and to be emissions-free by 2050. Here's Greg Harper, the county's chief of environmental services. Transportation, uh, according to our 2008 greenhouse gas inventory, makes up about 50% of the, the climate impact from the local community, um, government included. And then buildings are another 45%. Some of the remaining percent comes from carbon emissions that emanate from landfills. 
While local landfills have been closed for a couple of decades, Albemarle's carbon footprint does include the vehicle emissions used to truck solid waste to those that are open elsewhere in Virginia. Audrey Coker, a member of the Places 29 CAC, said she would like to see more done to reduce waste. But I think recycling is what many um, community members see and react to and respond to is the trash all around. And I think it's one way that we could get people engaged in the climate change issues. Andy Lowe, Albemarle's environmental compliance manager, reminded the CAC that the county also has a Solid Waste Alternatives Advisory Committee, or SWAC. They're tasked with that this specific uh, topic, solid waste alternatives, increasing recycling, increasing organic diversion, uh, decreasing litter. The SWAC committee next meets on November 12th. In one meeting today, the committee appointed to oversee over 60 projects to address safety concerns on Interstate 81 began meeting at 9 a.m. this morning. The Virginia Department of Transportation studied the entire length of I-81 in the Commonwealth in 2018 and identified nearly $2 billion in projects. The work is being funded through increased truck registration fees, a regional fuel tax, and an increase in the diesel tax that goes into effect on July 1st of next year. Some sections will be widened, and in other places there will be additional lanes, and in others, curves will be straightened. And in one meeting tomorrow, the TJPDC will hold the first of two virtual meetings to take input on the Urban Rivanna Corridor Plan, a joint planning effort between Albemarle and Charlottesville. The Rivanna River is a dividing line between the two localities. A vision statement for the plan reads, In and near Free Bridge, Woolen Mills, and the Pantops area, the river corridor is and will be a vibrant place where people experience a quiet and serene natural environment, enjoy healthy outdoor activities and venues, and appreciate important historic and cultural points of interest. And that's it for another week of the Charlottesville Community Engagement newscast and newsletter. Once again, thank you so much for listening. That's really the most important thing, is if you made it to this point and you're actually listening to it, thank you. Uh, This is a written newsletter, but I really do appreciate those of you who are listening to the podcast and hearing all of these various sound sources that I am increasingly getting better and better at receiving and more and more efficient at delivering to you each day. If you have enjoyed this program and you would like to make a financial contributions, there are many ways to do that. And rather than bore you with them now, I'm simply going to say, go take a look at infoseville.com. That's infoseville.com. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back on Monday with another installment of this program. For a $10 contribution through Patreon, you can hear a podcast version of the Week Ahead newsletter, which will be coming out on Sunday. Speaking of which, I got to start writing it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, stay safe.